You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. All right, Genesis chapter 37. Uh, Genesis chapter 37, and I'm going to pick up my text over here in verse 19. We're going to read a good portion of the scripture tonight, and I think I'm on now. Sorry, guys, I forgot to turn myself on. I'm on now. Okay, Genesis chapter 37, verse 19. The Bible said, and they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him and cast him into some pit And we will say, some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands to deliver them to his father again. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming to his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, And they took him and cast him into a pit. And the pit was empty, and there was no water in it. And they sat down to eat bread, and they lifted up their eyes and looked. And behold, a company of Ishmaelites came from Gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh, going to carry it down to Egypt. And Judah said unto his brethren, What profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood? Come, and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, For he is our brother and our flesh, and his brethren were content. Then there passed by Midianites merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph into Egypt. And Reuben returned unto the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, and he rent his clothes. And he returned unto his brethren and said, The child is not, and I, whither shall I go? And they took Joseph's coat, And killed a kid of goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, This have we found, know now whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is, without doubt, rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted and said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. If we come over to chapter 42, I want to read another, just a few verses in chapter 42. Verse number 13, and then verse 32, and then verse 36. In Genesis chapter 42, verse number 13 We find an account later on, and I'm after a phrase here. They said, Thy servant are twelve brethren, the son of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. And that is a reference to Joseph. They don't know right here they're speaking to Joseph, if you know the whole story. But uh, they're, they're making the statement, he is not. And then if we come to verse number 32, the Bible said again, We be twelve brethren, sons of our father, one is not. And then if we come over to verse number 36, and Jacob their father said unto them, me have ye bereaved of my children, Joseph is not. Joseph is not. 
And there, there was an assumption on Jacob's part concerning his son that he was dead, that he was no longer alive. Uh, so as we get into the story tonight, the story of Joseph is one of the most exciting uh, to me and most eventful stories in the Bible. Uh, a study of the life of Joseph has yielded the fruit of encouragement to many uh, who have grown weary in well-doing. Uh, Lester Olof, years ago, I don't know if you're familiar with Lester Olof, one of the great preachers of yesteryear, but he preached on the life of Joseph, and, 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 and the title to his message was, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. And uh, boy, that is certainly uh, the life and the story of Joseph. He goes down uh, into the pit. They sell him down into Egypt. He goes down into slavery, but he just keeps coming back up. Amen. And uh, hence the message title. And certainly the providence of God is clearly seen in the life of Joseph. Uh, this, this evening, uh, for the purpose of this message, I don't really uh, desire to focus on Joseph as much as I want to uh, focus on his father, Jacob. Uh, when Jacob got the news uh, via his sons holding a bloody coat, when, when Jacob got the news that his beloved son was missing, and when he saw with his eyes that bloody coat, he, he began grieving what he supposed and what he assumed was the death of his son Joseph. And twice we read where he cried out in great anguish, One is not. He's gone. He's dead. I want to be very clear this evening, as, and this was not what I was going to preach tonight. I'm a missionary. I was going to preach on missions. Amen. And, uh, but, but this afternoon, I believe God changed my thought process. And, and, and it, I may have, I'll be honest with you, I may have preached this message here four years ago. I don't know if I did or not. But if I did, on Sunday afternoon, I asked my son what the visiting preacher preached on Sunday morning, and he couldn't remember the title. So, I, so I'm hoping that you don't remember it from four years ago. Amen. All right? And, uh, but, but seriously, and if you do, I hope that God uses it to touch your heart tonight and to encourage you. I want this to be a message of encouragement. Amen. So, so I want to be clear. There are people here in this church right now, I'll guarantee you, that have some is-nots in your life. You have some things in your life that that at one time was an is, and now it's in the is not category in your life. Uh, there's a lot of us here that are looking at the election last week, and it's, 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 it's an is not to a lot of us. It might be an is to some, but it's an is not to a lot. Amen. Uh, there's, there, there's folks sitting here who have lost relationships. There's some that have lost children. There are some who've lost jobs in this past year. There are some who have lost hopes and dreams, and what at one time brought great enjoyment. And what at one time brought great fulfillment and what at one time in your life brought great satisfaction. Now it brings grief and discouragement and depression. And it's to you that I preach tonight. The first point we look at in the message, because I like to have points, by the way, real quickly, there's three cups of water up here. Are they all good? Praise the Lord. Amen. All right. Let me take a sip. I didn't want to get coronavirus from Brother Chad. Amen. All right. All right, Jacob's beloved child. That's my first point, Jacob's beloved child. It, it, again, if you're familiar with the Bible at all, you know that Jacob had 12 sons and, and, uh, and there was one that he loved more than the rest. And the Bible, uh, there, I mean, he made no secret about it. The Bible makes no secret about it. He loved his son, Joseph. Joseph was the embodiment of his father's dreams. And, and for the point of this message, and really I believe that this is, this is a truth in Scripture, Joseph becomes a type of the promises of God. 
Uh, he certainly uh, is a promise of God coming down through the patriarchs. Joseph is, is, is a promise and God gives promises to him through dreams that is going to be fulfilled in the life of Jacob. And so he, this boy, his dad loves him more than the other children. He's the embodiment of his father's dreams. He's typical of the promises of God. And this boy was a delight to his father. The Bible tells us that he was the son of his old age. I mean, you know, sometimes fathers get a little older and, 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 and the older kids look at the younger kids and say, man, they get treated a lot better. Somehow we get older and we start to mellow out a little bit. And, and uh, some of you get meaner when you get older, but some get softer. Amen. And, uh, and so the Bible says that he was the son of his old age and he loved him because he was the son of his old age. And the Bible said he made him a coat of many colors. And I want to focus on that coat just for a moment here because I wonder how much time that he spent on that coat. I wonder how much time he, he spent making that coat. I'm quite sure he didn't go to a seamstress or a tailor and, and have this coat made. The Bible's pretty clear that he himself made this coat. This would be a labor of love. This would be a labor involving his life. I mean, this would be a, a long-term project. He's making this coat for his son because he loved his son. And I wonder how much of his labor was invested in that coat. And I wonder how much love, you know that, man, there's the love of that father poured into that coat for his son. How much of his time and energy was wrapped up in making that beautiful coat. This, this young man is a delight to his father. But then I want you to notice, not just, not, not just was he a delight to his father, this, this young man was a dreamer. I mean, literally, he was a dreamer. I mean, God gave this boy some promises if we were to go back to Genesis 37, verses 5 through 11. I mean, he came to the breakfast table one morning and told a dream and all of his brothers got mad because they understood the point of the dream. If the dream that he had came true, then they would all be bowing down and worshiping him one day and his brethren did not like his dream. I've noticed one thing about dreamers, they keep on dreaming, amen. Uh, and his brethren, uh, they sure didn't like it. Well, it wasn't, you know, sometimes you have dreams and folks don't like them. Don't, don't get mad if they don't like them. It's not their dream, it's yours, Amen. His brother, in short, the Bible said they hated him. And then the Bible said he dreamed another dream. Amen. What do you do when someone hates you? You just keep dreaming. That's what he did. And they hated him yet the more. He was a dreamer. In fact, in fact, when he went out, when he went out to see his brethren, and we come to the text that we read tonight, they actually said, as we began reading our text, behold, this dreamer cometh. Man, they didn't like him. They didn't like his dreams. And I want to remind you, this was at a time period where God spoke through dreams and God was certainly speaking through his dreams. I mean, one of his dreams, here's, here's 12 sheaves that represents uh, all of his brothers and all of those sheaves are coming down and bowing down to his sheaf. I mean, Brother Gabe, I think they knew what he was saying and they didn't like it. And then they got mad at that dream and he comes down to the breakfast table maybe a week later and, and man, there they are sitting there and, and you know, there comes the dreamer to the breakfast table. What's Joe dreamed of this morning? And he said, man, I dreamed the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars all bowed down and worshiped me. And even his father said then, wait a minute. Whoa, wait a minute. Shall I and, my, shall I and your mother bow down and worship you? But if, if, if you read the text, the Bible said, his father observed the saying. Now that's, that's an important phrase to get right there. His father observed the saying. In other words, his father understood what his son was saying. He observed the saying. He put it into his think tank. He began thinking on that. Can I tell you those dreams were the promises of God to his father? You've got to get that. 
God gave, his, God gave Jacob some promises. I want to tell you tonight, God doesn't speak through dreams and visions. If you come in here and said, Pastor Upman, I had a dream last night. I'm going to tell you that you ate some spicy pizza or something, all right? And it's the pizza talking. It was not God, all right? And I'm serious about that. God doesn't talk through dreams. God talks through his word. This Bible right here, God speaks through that. Amen. That's the word of God. That's how God reveals himself. Well, just as Jacob was given promises, I mean, he's got some promises about his son. There's going to come a day that he and his wife and his boys are going to bow down and worship his son. That's a promise from God via the dream to his son. And he observed the saying. Can I tell you tonight, church, you and I, we have some great and precious promises from the word of God right now that we can observe tonight. Amen. We got promises. I love these promises. You get me talking about the promises of God and it gets me a little bit excited. But Matthew 16, verse 18 Man, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church of God. Amen. That's a promise that I love from the word of God. It don't matter how bad things get and over the next four years how terrible it might get. Can I tell you the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. That's a promise. Man, parents, man, we hang on to promises like Proverbs 22, 6 or Proverbs where, where there's a general promise given. Train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old he'll not depart. And when sometimes they start to rebel as teenagers, we come back and man, we call that promise to God in prayer and say, Lord, there's a proverb you give and we trained them up and oh God, bring them back. We claim those promises. Amen. Promises like Ephesians 3.20, one of my many favorite Bible verses. The Bible said, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Brother Chad, you, you better know I've, I've, I've prayed that promise a whole lot. Amen. I believe that promise. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it. I believe that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Amen. That's how he works. Amen. Then there's promises like Isaiah 40 verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Have you ever been in a place where, where you were weary? Where you were waiting? You wanted to go? Your tires are spinning, you're ready to go, and God's saying, wait, 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 wait. They that wait upon the Lord, we hang on to those promises. Promises like Jeremiah 33, verse number 3, where the Bible says, call unto me, and I will answer thee. You believe that? I'll tell you how much you believe it, how much do you call on him, amen? I believe that. I believe call on God, he'll answer you, and show you great and mighty things, and I could preach on that on the promises of God. I'm just saying that like Jacob of old, I have and you have observed the promises of God, and we've hid them in our heart. Joseph, he was a delight, a delight to his father. He was a dreamer to his brothers, but he was also despised by his brothers. He was despised. They envied him because their father did not delight in them like he did in Joseph. They envied him because they didn't have the dreams that he had. They despised his dreams. One day, his brothers looked up and saw Joseph coming, and they said, Behold, this dreamer cometh. They hated him for his dreams. And his brethren, they're typical of the world and the flesh and the devil who hate us for the dreams that God has given us, the promises that God's given us that we just believe. So they cooked up a plot to get rid of him. 
And while they didn't kill him, they did sell him into slavery. And they took that coat of many colors. And I wish I had a coat that I could really like, a coat of many colors I could use tonight, but I don't. I've just got this old drab brown coat right here, okay? And uh, that must have been the coat that he made for Judah, one of the older boys, amen? And that's not the one of many colors, all right? But uh, they dipped it in blood and they tore it up, made it look like an animal had attacked him. And, and they brought it back to their daddy, and they showed that coat to their daddy. And that brings us to our second point tonight. That first point was Jacob's beloved children, but now we come to Joseph's bloody coat. They brought back this coat to their father. Now, you know they're deceiving their father. They know they sold him into slavery. But they don't want their father to know they sold him into slavery because their father loves him. They'll be in trouble with their father. So, so they brought the coat and they just, they just put it out. And I want you to get a hold of this tonight, church. They put that coat out to where the father, to where Jacob's looking at the coat now. And Jacob, he saw a coat that was a beautiful coat that he had invested his love and his labor, his time, his efforts, his energy into, his life into for his son. Uh, for, for that one that represents the promises of God to him. And he saw a beautiful coat, now bloody. He saw a full coat, now empty. He saw a perfect coat, now ruined. He saw that coat that represented his, his work and his labor and his love for Joseph completely and totally destroyed. And in that moment, church, listen to me. Because this is how the devil works. The devil loves to hang a bloody coat in front of you and let you draw your own conclusions. He loves to let things happen in your home and in family and finances and friendships and physical afflictions. And he loves to get you looking at that and get your eyes off the promise. Je Jacob's not looking at his son. He's not looking at the promises of God. Remember he observed the saying, he kept them in his heart. He's not thinking on the promises of God now. He's looking at a bloody coat. That's where his focus is. He's no longer walking by faith, believing that one day his son's going to be alive and him and his mother's going to bow down to his son like the promise was. He is now believing because of what he sees that his son has been killed. In verse 30, we read a statement of despair. When we start walking by sight, I, listen, man, sometimes like the news today, it's heavy and it's bad. It's easy to start walking by sight. And, and that takes us into a place of despair very quickly. And, and, and he cries out. He said, the child is not. And then, and then we see a statement of deceit by the brothers. This have we found. Know whether it be thy son's coat or no. And he says, the child is not. It's my son. A, a statement of defeat. We see the Bible said uh, that he said, it is my son's coat. An evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is, notice the wording here, without doubt. There's no doubt about it. My son's dead. He's rent in pieces. With, in, in Jacob's mind, all of the promises of God that he had observed, they're gone. He's looking at a bloody coat. And he said, those promises, they're gone. He is without doubt rent in pieces. And at this moment in Jacob's life and for the next 20 years, he operates according to his senses, according to his sight, and not according to the Spirit of God. Your senses, our, our senses, our emotions will lead us to the wrong conclusion every time. They will. He sees the obvious. It is my son's coat. I can see that's the coat I made. That's, that's, it's my son's coat. He states the ob what, what appears to be obvious to him. It's my son's coat. 
No doubt, an evil beast hath devoured him. He screams Joseph's obituary. Uh, He's without doubt running pieces. And here's the sad part. Jacob was misled to walk by his senses. And once he stepped out of the path of faith, the Bible says he refused to be comforted. You could not comfort that man for the next 20 years. He refused to be comforted. He would live the next 20 years saying, Joseph is not. I have 12 children and one is not. And one is not. Well, I thought there was a dream. I thought there was promises. I thought you observed the saying, one is not. I had 12 and one is not. And walking by sight will lead an individual. It'll lead a family. It'll lead a church to disillusionment, to defeat, to discouragement, to depression, to despair, even to death. I mean, listen to what he said. I will go to my grave mourning my son. That's what he said. I'll go to my grave. I'll go to my death mourning my son. I want to ask you some questions this evening. And this is to everyone here. Amen. What promises has God given you? What dreams through the pages of scripture has God given you? Romans 15, I love Romans, I just love the whole Bible, amen. I try try to keep figuring out my favorite verse and I just keep finding bunches of them, all right? But Romans 15, verse number four, the Bible said whatsoever things are written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. There's a word introduced, hope. That word comes from a word that means expectations. What expectations do you have in your life and for your family and for this church moving forward You say, well, the scripture says there in Romans 15, 4, that God give us hope through the things that are written aforetime. But if you go down to Romans 15, verse 13, he says, now the God of hope. What about that? God identifies him. I'm a God of hope. I'm a God of dreams. I'm a God of expectations. Amen. And he says, now the God of hope uh, cause you to abound in hope. Amen. God, man, God don't want us walking around in doom and gloom all the time, in despair and defeat all the time. Amen. Walking by sight. He wants us walking in victory. Amen. He wants us walking by faith. He's the God of hope. He wants us to live in hope. He wants us to abound. I know sometimes some of us, especially in the last week, are probably feeling like the last of the Mohicans. Amen. And he that endured to the end shall be saved. But can I tell you, God's not dead. God's not sitting in heaven on a rocking chair, amen, uh, you know, taking, taking you know, aspirin and saying, what just happened down in the USA? I mean, that caught me off guard. God knows what's going on, amen. And he's just as much a God of hope on January 21st as he was on January 19th, amen. And he's just as much a God of hope the day that you had your dream as the day they bring the bloody coat and start waving it. He's the God of hope. He's the God of expectation. He's the God of anticipation. He's the God that gives us great and precious, exceedingly great and precious promises. And he wants us to cling to them when it seems that all we can see are bloody coats. He wants us to cling to those promises. What good thing have you delighted in? Well, I wonder what your Joseph is. Because remember, Joseph represents the promise of God to that old man, Jacob. Joseph represents the promise of God, but the coat, the coat that represents all the love and the labor and the time and the effort and the life that Jacob poured into the promise of God. 
And I wonder, I wonder, I wonder the truth be known. Uh, Many of us have Josephs that we've invested in. Uh, Many of us have invested time and money and blood and sweat and tears to make a coat of many colors for the Joseph that God's given us. And now, at this stage of our life, God, or excuse me, Satan, begins waving a bloody coat in front of us and says, you've given your all to God and look what you got in return. You've given your life to God and now you're facing death. You've given everything to God and you're losing your health. Tried to live for God and be a preacher and serve God or a missionary on a foreign field with so many of our friends and you've lost your children. Man, I mean, Satan loves to wave the bloody coat of an empty church house to a preacher who's poured his life into building a church for the glory of God. He loves to wave the empty coat of a rebellious teenager to a mama and a father who have spent their life trying to train them up in the ways of the Lord. He loves to say, it's not, you wasted it. And what he does, he gets our focus off the promise of God, off the, off the Joseph that was in the coat, and he gets our focus on the time that we put into the coat and the labor that we put into the coat and the love that we put into the coat. And now we're no longer on God and his promise. We're on us and our labor. And it seems that it's wasted. We've invested in the promise of God and that appears to have failed. It's over. It's wasted. It's destroyed. That coat that you made for your Joseph, it's bloody. Your Joseph appears to have died. Your Joseph is not. And your whole being wants to see failure. And your whole being wants to state and scream, you're a failure. And every ounce of your being is screaming, Joseph is not. He's not. He's not. And those promises that God gave you, they're not. They're not true. But I'm here to tell you tonight that though Satan loves to wave bloody coats, and though the world loves to wave bloody coats, and though our flesh is so apt to believe it when we see a bloody coat. Satan's a master of deceit. And he's the father of lies. And you can't let him deceive you into looking at the bloody coat. Don't look at the bloody coat. You say, well, you don't know how much love I poured into it. Don't look at the love you poured into it. You don't know how much time I invested in this. I have my life wrapped up in this. Quit looking at what you've got wrapped up in it and go back to the promise that God gave you to start with. Amen. A look leads to a thought. Can I tell you, church, when Satan starts, and I don't know who he's waving a bloody coat to tonight. I know there's many times in my life I've had bloody coats waved in front of me. Amen. And you have too. I don't know where you are tonight. But if you're tempted tonight to look at a bloody coat, you must by faith look away from that coat and remember the promise of God. Man, I'm reading through here one day and I'm like, Jacob, you observed the saying. Jacob, remember the dream? Jacob, remember the promise that they're they're all going to bow down? You're going to bow down. You remember the promise? That's a dream from God. That's a promise from God. Remember the... One is not. Jacob, but don't you remember God gave you the promise at the breakfast table? One is not. Without doubt, he's rending pieces. If we're honest, some of us are almost where he was. We can't go there. We've got to get out of there. And that brings me to my last point. And by the way, as I'm on my way to my last point, Hebrews 10, 35, I mean, it speaks directly to this. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Man, those promises, that confidence, that expectation you had. Man, don't lose it now because things are looking down. Amen. Cling to the promise of God. Cling to those precious promises. Amen. We come to our last point, Jehovah's blessed care. Boy, God is so forgiving. Brother uh, Everett, God is so faithful. Even when 
us Jacobs are faithless. Is he not? I mean, 20 years goes by. And, and during that 20 years, while Jacob is walking around as, as a shell of his former self, depressed, distraught, you can't comfort me. It's all over. He's dead. He, I saw the coat. I put my time, my labor. It's ruined. Jo, the coat's ruined, but man, Joseph's very much alive. Amen. And, and while he's living in defeat, walking by sight, there's the providence of God in, as Jehovah, we see his care for, 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 for Jacob and for Joseph. We see the providence of God because Joseph, while he is crying his eyes out, one is not. Joseph's being sold into slavery. He's still alive. And then, and then he's going into a dungeon, but he's still alive. And there he's interpreting a dream, but he's still alive. But Jacob doesn't know it because by faith, he's quit looking at the promise of God. He's walking by the side of a bloody coat. And, and, and now he's the vice pharaoh of, of Egypt, what's going to become the, the leading nation in the world during this great famine. I mean, this is going to be the second man in charge of the world. And there's Jacob walking in defeat. I mean, he's down and out. He doesn't believe God. He's left the promise of God 20 years ago. And there's God in his wonderful, wonderful, wonderful providence causing them to run out of food. Well, that's pretty bad. Man, the food's getting low. There's a famine in the land. Man, Joseph's not. I mean, things couldn't get any worse. That depression just feeds on depression and feeds on more defeat and depression. Couldn't get any worse. Yeah, it's worse. We've got a famine now. But God's working. We see providence. There's God causing them to have to come to Egypt for food. I wonder why God's causing them to have to come to Egypt for food. And I, I will tell you this. Things got far worse before they got better. And they may get worse for you before they get better. But can I tell you, it's going to get better. Amen. I would be in an insane asylum. And some people think I'm already there. Amen. All right. But I'd be in an insane asylum if I didn't believe in the promise of God. And so would you. When it seems like all hell breaks loose in our homes and sometimes in our churches and the bloody coat of our dreams is being waved in front of us. Man, it would have driven me crazy years ago if I kept looking at the coats. But I want to say I believe in the providence of God. And I believe that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I want to thank the Lord tonight that even when, like Jacob, I am faithless. And I have been in my life at times faithless. And I'm sure some of you would say you've been in your life at times faithless. I'm glad he's faithful because he can't deny himself. Amen. And I want to thank him for his providential dealings in our life. And so we, we go from the providence of God to seeing the promise of God is fulfilled. If you'll turn real quickly, and we're just about done, believe it or not, that was a quick three hours. Amen. But Genesis chapter number 45, verse 25 and 26. Genesis chapter 45, verse 25 and 26. I'll just catch you up on the story. There they are now. There's a big story that's taking place in between. You can read about it in Genesis. Amen. But now we're at the end of a long story, and now here comes, here comes the family in Genesis chapter number 45 and verse number 25. The Bible said, and they came, they went up out of Egypt and came into the land of Canaan unto Jacob, their father. They finally talked Jacob into getting uh, in and going with them down to Egypt. And they told him saying, Joseph is yet alive. I almost titled the message tonight, Joseph's still alive. Amen. Joseph is yet alive. They, they, uh, they said Joseph is, is, is yet alive. And the Bible said Jacob's heart fainted. Now I want you to watch this. 
What's the next phrase? Jacob's heart fainted, for he believed them not. Isn't that how we are so many times? We are so, we're, we're, we're kind of bound to these bodies. And we are so used to walking by sight. God gives us a promise and we're like, Woo-ha, we got a promise from God. And then Satan waves the bloody coat and we're like, there went that promise. And then we come back and they say, he's alive. God's promise is true. And we say, no, it's not. No, it's not. I don't believe it. I won't believe it unless I can put my finger in the nail prints. Unless I can put my hand. You say, I'll criticize Thomas. Criticize all of us. Amen. Because all of us are the same way. Amen. I, he ain't, I don't believe it. His heart fainted. I don't believe it. Joseph said, I don't believe it. It's amazing how we react. When the bloody coats waved, human senses crowd, he's dead. Now when people are saying he's alive, human senses still cry out, he's dead. We, we, we are so faltering. And I say we. I'm not pointing the finger at anybody else but me. I am so faltering in my faith at times. But here's the point. Even when we falter in our faith, God is faithful to his promises because he can't tell a lie. Amen. Joseph is alive. He's alive, he's alive, and so are God's promises to you tonight. I don't care what bloody coat's being waved in your face right now. God's promises are alive. This Bible is true, and you can cling to it at the worst hour of your life. You can cling to these promises. And don't allow bloody coats to get your eyes off the promises of God. You enter into that realm where you've got to make conscious decisions, and sometimes it's every day. And sometimes, honestly, when when it gets tough, sometimes it's every hour of every day where you're having to make a conscious decision. Man, this is the news, but this is what I'm keeping my eyes focused on. This is the news, but this is where I'm keeping my mind focused on. This is the news, man, when your son's lying in a hospital bed between life and death, you can either just assume the worst or you can hope for the best and just cling to the promises of God. Amen. You've got to do that. Get rid of, can I just tell you tonight, God's promises are true. Get rid of the bloody coats. If you've got some bloody coats, maybe you're here and you have something you've poured your heart and life into and your soul and you believed it was a promise from God and now it seems like it's hopeless, helpless and, and you've got a bloody coat and you're depressed and you're in despair, get rid of that tonight. Just come down to an altar. All things still work together for good. My God shall still supply all your needs. He is still able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. His word still accomplishes that which he set it to do. Preaching the word, praying in faith and persevering in the work of God still pays in this life and in the world to come. And can I tell you, I don't care how bad things look politically speaking, the best is still yet to come for the child of God. Amen. We're still on the winning side and God is still good all the time. And I say hallelujah. And, and we come to our very last point and we see We see not just the providence of God and we see the promises of God fulfilled, but we see the pity of God. And I promise this is it. Then we have conclusion, then invitation, all right? We're going to be done. But but, but, but you got to get this. God shows pity towards this faithless patriarch of the nation of Israel who's walked in despair and defeat and depression for 20 years. And he says, I'm going to go all the way to my grave, all the way to death, believing that he's dead. We see the pity of God in a very tender rebuke to Jacob. You say, God rebuked him? Very tenderly, God rebuked him. Look in Genesis 46, 4. Man, I, I, I saw this verse years ago, and this phrase jumped out at me. God told, told, told Jacob, as he's going to Egypt, in Genesis 46, verse 4, I will go down with thee into Egypt... And I will also surely bring thee up again. And Joseph 
That's the one that's been dead in Jacob's mind for 20 years. And Joseph shall put his hand upon what? Thine eyes. What is that all? What's, what's that all about? Why, why is God saying, Joseph, your son's going to put his hand on your eye? Because his eyes led him away from the promises of God. And God said, I'm going to take my promise that's represented in the hand of the body of Jacob. And my promise is going to be laid over top of your eyes. And I'm going to make you live by faith again. Amen. That's a tender, a very tender rebuke. God could have said, what's wrong with you? But God just said very lovingly, he's still alive. And you're going to see he's alive. And Joseph is actually going to put his hand over your eyes. You'll see it. That's a rebuke. It's tender. God's pitiful. Amen. I want to just say, for the man who had walked by sight instead of believing the promises of God, God had great mercy. His mourning and his grief were enough of a punishment. And so God simply would have Joseph to put his hand upon Jacob's eyes. And God would cause his faithfulness to trump Jacob's faithlessness. Jacob's eyes had been deceitfully directed to what he had invested in Joseph. And now God is redirecting his eyes to Joseph. Amen. Like doubting Thomas, God would tenderly rebuke his son and say, Be not faithless, but believing. Let me conclude this evening and we'll have a a musician come and get ready for an invitation. Uh, Let let me just say this tonight. You can live in defeat. You can live in despair. You can as a child of God. You can live in discouragement. You can live in depression. You can look at a bloody coat that you invested into your Joseph, your dream, your promise. Or you can live trusting and believing that even though that bloody coat looks real, the promises of God can still be trusted And there's going to come a day when those promises are realized. And if not on this side of eternity, surely on the other side, those promises will be realized. And one day when your Joseph is recognized, when that promise is fulfilled, it's like God's going to put his hand right there and say, there it is. There it is. There it is. Be not faithless, but believing. You've heard of the patience of Job and have seen the end of the Lord, how he's pitiful and of tender mercy. So the invitation is, as heads are bowed and eyes are closed tonight, the invitation is simply this. Now, you may, you may need to come for, God may have dealt with your heart about different issues. God does that, amen. But I want to say that if you've been here tonight and you're focusing on a bloody coat, maybe now would be a good time to get your focus back on the Lord and the promises of his word. And, and I, can I, you know, you say, well, preacher, I do that quite frequently. I, I do too. Sometimes I have to, the altar's a good place to do it. I have to come to the altar many times and refocus, refocus, refocus. She's playing. If God's dealt with your heart, I invite you to the altar. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.